Let's pray. Father, it is good to be in your house this morning, and Lord, we are thankful uh, for the truth and song that we have heard today. Lord, it's an encouragement. It's a challenge. Uh, So many things that could be considered just from the songs we have uh, participated in this morning and then just heard. But Lord, I do pray that you'd bless now the effort to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it to speak to our hearts and to be a help to us, and I trust that you will do just that. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to begin with a couple of disconnected thoughts that I trust will all tie in together in a few moments. I want to begin by saying this, and I think you know this to be true, that many times in life what we see are cycles repeated over and over again. Some of the cycles are repeated somewhat frequently. Sometimes the cycles, they take a little bit longer to repeat themselves. But over and over and over again, we see the same things happening in the lives of people. And I know that you know this, but that really does just confirm what Solomon said, that there is nothing new under the sun. It's not like you and I are experiencing things that people have never experienced before. Uh, Sometimes, just in the grand scheme of things, in the grand picture of things, We are a part of the cycle, then again, of course, in our own personal lives and in the lives of everyone that we know, there are certain things that just seem to go over and over and over again. That in mind, I want to share another thought with you that I would imagine that at some point in the past I have mentioned this, I have touched on this, but I want us to think about this truth that every day millions of people get up and they go to work in various occupations. There are so many different ways in which people make a living, in which they earn an income, and most of the ways in which people make their living, earn their income, it's really not given too much thought, it's not given too much attention, but we do know this, that there are some professions that are held in high regard, and so if a person were to say, well, I do this for a living, there would be people who were impressed, correct? So there are just certain positions out there that if someone said, well, I'm a brain surgeon, somebody would say, wow, you're a brain surgeon. I could never do anything like that. If someone said, well, I'm an astronaut and I've been to the moon before, most of us would say, well, I've never traveled that far. Right? I mean, we would be impressed by someone who was actually an astronaut who had been to outer space. We would just say that's pretty impressive. And you understand there are a lot of professions out there that are noble and they are highly respected. At the same time, we understand this to be true, that there are certain professions out there and they're just not held in the highest regard. They're somewhat looked down upon, and it's kind of interesting what some of those professions can be. I just want to mention a few of them, certainly not every one of them, but, but just a few of them. How, how many of you have ever heard a lawyer joke? You ever heard a lawyer joke? Well, well, there's a reason why there are jokes about lawyers, right? Because lawyers many times are not held in the highest regard. They're, they're just crooked individuals. They're just this, that, and whatever it may be. And a lawyer, 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 and, and they're just terrible individuals. At least that, that's how they're portrayed. Sometimes you will hear people being critical of the medical field. Have you ever heard that? Just a bunch of rich, overpaid people. Yeah, they've gone to college. I understand it took a lot of money to get the education, but it's always followed up with that comma and a but, right? But 
They just make too much money. They just charge way too much for their services. And on and on and on it goes. And so many times, even those in the medical field are not held in the highest regard. Sometimes those in the law enforcement community are not held in the highest regard. You've probably detected this, haven't you, if you've paid attention to the news in the last several years, that that sometimes police officers are highly criticized and they're made fun of and, and, and jokes are made about officers and, and the list could you know just continue on about how negative people are about police officers. And, and then this is one of my favorites. Many times the people in the ministry are not held in the highest regard. You know, preachers are just in it for the money. All they care about are the offerings. All they care about is, you know, how much money can I get out of the deal? And, and besides all that, they only have to work one day a week. I mean, that's really how many people perceive those in the ministry. And so, again, I could continue with the perceptions that people have of a negative manner toward different professions, but that just gets us started It could be an attorney, it could be a physician or someone in the medical field, it could be someone in law enforcement, it could be a pastor. But this is kind of interesting in the cycle of life. It's amazing how attitudes change when one of those people is needed. You know, attorneys are just crooked, they're just dishonest, they're a host of negative, terrible things until we need an attorney, and then what do we want? We want the best attorney there is out there, right? We want the most crooked, most dishonest, most go-after-the-throat kind of an attorney you can find. That's what we're looking for. Well, that's kind of a change of heart, isn't it? Because six months ago, you didn't care much for any attorney out there. And, And it's amazing, you know, all those greedy doctors. Yeah, they're greedy doctors, aren't they, until we're the ones on the table getting operated on. Then we're kind of glad they've got an education. And we're glad that they know what they're doing and that they're a bit better educated than most of us. Because we're saying, oh, you just hurt here, now figure it out. It's true that many times the law enforcement is criticized, but they're also the ones who are called in times of need. And I found this to be true, that many times pastors are somewhat criticized and maybe somewhat uh, unjustly attacked and things of that nature. But it's amazing how many times people call the church wanting the pastor to be there for them. And why doesn't your church do this for my family and your church ought to be doing this? And it's kind of this weird cycle. You know, not too long ago you had no use for these things and And now there's this moment of crisis that's entered into your life, and all of a sudden those people that you once didn't have much use for, and now you're pretty interested in. And then what happens as the cycle continues? Well, as the person is brought out of that crisis moment many times, here's what happens. They revert back to the same attitude they once had. They needed the attorney. They had the attorney, but attorneys are sorry again. Doctors are greedy. Well, now I need a doctor. Did you see how much they charge me? And the list could go on and on and on and on. Now, this morning, again, we'll try to tie all this together, but just think about that principle, the the cycle 
that we see so many times in the lives of people, an attitude, a need, and then a a disdain, a, a disregard for what the person has to offer. Because here's what we'll find. Sometimes we're caught up in the same cycle. We are. And you may say, well, I don't know what you're talking about, so we'll just look at it. And again, that's a principle that I want us to think about. Notice in verse number 13, here's what Solomon says of Ecclesiastes chapter 9. He said, This wisdom have I seen also under the sun, and it seemed great unto me. So here's what Solomon is doing in verse number 13. He is going to to write about an observation he has made in this world. That which he hath seen under the sun. All right. So notice in verse number 14, there, this is what he says. There was a little city. There was a little city. Now think about that statement for just a moment. There was a little city. I wonder if any of us could identify with a little city. If you don't know, all of us can identify with a little city. All right. Solomon writes of a little city. Now, I don't think he was thinking about Pampa when he wrote these words, but I think most of us understand that we would be classified as a little city if we were even given the classification of a city. All right, We're a little town. We're just a small dot on a great big map, right? All right. So Solomon speaks of a little city. Now, think about this, please, for just a moment. In this big world that we live in, how much regard is given many times to those who live in the small towns and the small cities? More times than not, not much regard or respect is given to the small town folk, right? Because, see, here's the spirit, and, and, and you know that where I come from, okay, you know the spirit that, that, you know, it's just kind of a simpler folk who live in the small town. You, you know, I mean, if you talk to people who have been in the big cities all their lives and they've never been expo- exposed to the small towns, you know, you, you hear some weird things like, do you all have internet there? It's reached us. It really has. We've got the Internet, and we've got smartphones, you know. And and, and you all read? Yeah, most of us read, okay? We're, we're somewhat educated, okay? And, and the, the point is this. Whenever you get out into the big world out there, people see people from little towns and little cities, and, and we're not exactly considered the movers and the shakers of this world, Right? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much a part of Pampa by this point, so I, I believe I can say this. There are a lot of people who look at small-town individuals such as ourselves, and they assume we're just a little bit backward and a little bit of a misfit, and we don't know how to function in the big real world. Now, could that be true of some? Well, sure it could, but I know some people who live in the big city, and they don't know how to function real well in the big world. All right? So here is a man... Or there is a little city, and Solomon's going to talk about a man in this little city. But, but just keep in mind this truth, this principle, this reality, that, that more times than not, the little cities, let's listen, the little cities, the little towns, not a lot of regard and respect is given to them. It says in verse 14, and few men within it. So small town, small city, it makes sense that there would not be a lot of men. 
Now notice in verse number 15 what it says. We're going to jump around a little bit this morning, but we're going to tie all of it together. In verse number 15 it says, Now there was found in it, found in what? Well, in this little city. There was found in it a poor wise man. Now we'll deal with all of this in just a moment, but first of all, consider this statement that in this little city there was a man in it who was poor. What does it mean to be poor? Well, it means to be without. It means to be one who is near destitute. It is one who, you know, it just, they go without. They don't enjoy the finer things of life. They, they don't have all the possessions. And, and so I, I want us to think about, again, the culture that we're a part of, the society that we're a part of. Who is usually held in the higher regard, the rich or the poor? The rich, the withs or the withouts, the withs. Now, now think about this. In the world that we're a part of, in the society that we're a part of, those who have much are thought to be the ones who deserve the attention, who deserve the respect, and those who are poor, they just need to be put aside, just go stand over in the corner because you don't really have anything to offer. So think about the aspects of this story. Here is a man in a little city. He's already now criticized because he's from a small town. He's already thought to be fairly unimportant and fairly insignificant because he's from this small town, no doubt, and besides that, he is a poor person in a small town. Friend, you're low, low, low on the social order of things if you're a poor person in a small town. If you don't believe it, just look around. In our small town, it's not the poor people who are held in the highest regard. In our small town, it's not the people who go without, who are given the attention as given the respect of what do you think. But it says of this man who happened to be poor in this small town that he was also a wise man. So what does it mean to be a wise man? It means this, to have some discernment about yourself, to have some skill, to have some intellect, as we've talked about so many times, the ability to make good and right decisions. It's kind of interesting, just a little side note here, that wisdom does not equal prosperity. It doesn't mean that just because a person is wealthy that they must be wise, and if a person is lacking the prosperity, they must be foolish and ignorant. No, that's not at all the case. Many times it is the wealthy who have no wisdom, who are extremely foolish, who ought to be ignored. So here is this man, and he would be the lowest of the low in any culture because not only is he from a small city, he is a poor man. But go back to verse number 14 and notice what it says. It says that in this little city with few men within it, it says, and there came a great king against it and besieged it. What does a great king imply? Well, it implies a mighty king. 
It implies a powerful king, and it says that this great king came to this little city where there were few men in it and besieged it, which means they, they circled it or they encompassed it, and it says, and built great bulwarks against it. So what was a bulwark? Well, it would have been a wall of some sort, so I don't know what all the intentions would have been. I don't know what all the purposes would have been. But here is what happens. There is this little city not very many men in it, and this great king comes out against it, no doubt with his armies, besieges it or encompasses it, and builds these walls. Friends, this little city does not stand a chance to protect it. There is no way it will protect itself. Something terrible is going to happen to the city. But notice what it says in verse 15, continuing the thoughts here. It says, Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom, this poor wise man in this little city, through his wisdom, delivered the city. What does it mean to deliver the city? It means this, to rescue the city, to save the city, to somehow bring about their deliverance, okay? What would have been their doom, what would have been their destruction, what would have been their death, or what would have been their imprisonment, whatever the consequence would have been, this poor man, because of his wisdom, he was able to deliver the city. Now, we understand from the passage here that Solomon doesn't say how it happened, what took place, what transpired, but what he realized was this, is that the city was delivered because of the wisdom of the wise man, though he was poor. Now you would think, would you not, that if a man's wisdom was responsible for your small town's deliverance, that he would become a national hero or at least a local hero, right? That would make sense. This great king, they had circled us with their great armies. They had built walls. There was no way we were escaping. Surely we were going to die or we would be imprisoned and enslaved, whatever it was going to be. But this man with his wisdom, he stepped forth and with his wisdom and his discernment, his skill, his cunningness, his ability to make good and right decisions, that he, he was used to deliver us. What a hero and someone we want to honor. It's what you would assume. Notice what it said next in verse number 15. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. What does it mean to remember? Well, it means to recall or to think about. It means to give much attention to. And so here's what happens... You've got this little city, you've got this poor man who is basically destitute and going without, one who would not really have, have garnered the respect and the attention of those in the community, all right, you would think that as a result of his you know, wisdom delivering them from the great king that, that he'd be a hero, but, but what happened? Well, once the crisis was over, once everything settled down, hey, poor man, go back to wherever you came from. Do whatever it is you do. 
but we're not really going to remember you. We're not really going to think about you. We're really not going to give you much attention. So Solomon, in the next few verses, makes some more observations. He declares some statements about wisdom and how it's heard in times of quietness. But but he said in verse number 16, he said, Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised, and his words are not heard. What does it mean for something to be despised? It means this, for there to be a sense of contempt for something. It's to have a, a sense of disdain, and when you don't hear it, you'll not listen to what is being said. And so it doesn't matter that Solomon says in verse 18 that wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroyeth much good. It doesn't matter the importance and the significance of wisdom. Here is what Solomon realized by way of a cycle. Here is this man, and he is poor, but he is wise. Well, guess what? He was wise long before the conflict ever begun. Listen, he had wisdom before the great king with the armies came out against the city. He had the discernment. He had all of the intellect. But he wasn't rich. Yeah, because wisdom does not equal prosperity. It never has and never will be an automatic equal, okay? Okay, so, so here's this wise man, but he's poor and he's in this little city, so he's not really thought of. He's, you know, just kind of got this disdain toward him by the people and he's despised and his words are not heard. But, but all of a sudden, here's what happens. A crisis takes place. And now people are ready to listen. Well, now you've got something to say, poor guy. Now you've got something that we're a little bit interested in. Whew. That was a great help. Now go back and do whatever it is you did before. That's the picture that Solomon paints. That's the story he tells of an observation he made. Now this morning I want to ask you a question, and and don't get too excited about it, don't get too worked up about it. In fact, just sit here for a moment and consider this. As you look at the lives of people, and as you look at the cycles that every person lives and is a part of, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like the the poor wise man in the little old city? And you say, I don't know exactly what you mean. I mean this. Have you ever felt like the lawyer? What do you mean? Have you ever felt like the doctor? What do you mean? Have you ever felt like the policeman? I don't know what you're talking about. Have you ever felt like that there were just certain people who just really didn't want to listen to you at all? You've probably never been there, right? Everybody just listens to you and gives you great respect and gives you great admiration. And if you speak, people listen. Is, is that how it is for you? That's not how it is for most of us, right? It's not the way it works for most of us. In fact, here's what it looks like for most of us. We are that poor person that nobody really wants to listen to, at least many times, the people that we'd like to have the most influence in. Here's what I mean by that. Have you ever wanted to have some influence in your kid's life, but it was obvious you were too dumb to know anything? I mean, really, what what did you have? What could you possibly offer them? Because you're old and they know everything. Just, thanks, y'all, but I'm doing okay. Because I'm young and I'm smart and I'm cutting edge and you all are just 
Well, you know, y'all are just cute old people. Listen, listen. It happens, does it not? Do you have any people that you work with? Bless your hearts, you're just too dumb to be any help to them. I mean, you're a nice person. Let, let's let, you know. Let's just deal with the facts. You're a nice person, and you know, and you're a good worker, and you've got a pretty decent family. But truth be told, you're not smart enough to help them because they've got all the answers. Yeah, it happens. So you work with people like that, no doubt. I mean, besides, you know, the, the, the kids that you want to have influence in, I mean, you've probably got some other family members that you'd like to have some influence in, but you're just, you're, you know, you're not really worth listening to. Now, maybe if you had more money or if you were a little bit more successful, you might be worth listening to, but, but right now, because of where you're at in this whole social structure of things, you're just, you're not worth listening to. Isn't it amazing how so many times you have nothing to offer certain people until a crisis enters that person's life? Are we awake? You have nothing to offer that person until the crisis enters their life, and then all of a sudden you're the person they come to. You know, and so, you know, you're just dumb old dad and mom. You know, you don't know really. I mean, it's amazing that you can still live at home by yourself, right? I mean, Mills on Wheels ought to be coming to your house, and the nurses ought to be coming in and taking care of you. It's amazing. And then all of a sudden, the crisis hits your kids, and who are the first people they call? They call you. Dad and Mom, I've got an issue. Dad, what do I do here? Mom, what do you think about this? Isn't it amazing how the, the tables begin to turn in this cycle of life? And, and it's amazing, isn't it, sometimes how the co-worker begins to reach out to you in the midst of crisis or that family member, whoever it may be. It is amazing to me the number of times in the midst of crisis the phone rings and all of a sudden someone's wanting to hear what I've been preaching the last six months. So there's this cycle and everything's going well, everything's going good, there are no problems. And as a result of that, nobody can tell them anything. And yet when the crisis hits, immediately they know who to turn to. And many times it's you. You ever felt like that poor man in that little city? Now I don't know about you, but here's what has happened to me on many occasions. I've thought something like this. Maybe this is the moment when the light goes on. Maybe this is the moment that they'll begin to see things. Maybe this is the moment when they'll begin to finally understand things. Maybe this is the moment when they'll be softened. Maybe this is the moment when they'll be humbled. Maybe this is the moment that we're going to see a real turning point in their lives. Have you ever been in a situation like that and you've thought to yourself oh wonderful the Lord is finally getting their attention have you ever thought anything like that and then what happens the crisis goes away whatever it was 
the financial crisis, the health crisis, the job crisis, the relationship crisis, whatever it was, the crisis goes away. Now what you would hope for is this, a resolve to not slip back into the old way of thinking. That's what you'd hope for, right? But you know what happens so many times, and it's happened to us, the same thing that happened to the poor man in this little city. Here's what happens. The people who had nothing to do with us until the crisis came into their lives, all of a sudden they're now interested in what we have to say, and once the crisis goes away, what happens many times? Many times, just like our attitude with attorneys and law enforcement and doctors and whoever else it may be, many times what happens is this. As their crisis weakens and as their storm begins to subside and as life begins to get normal for them again, here's what we see. We see them pulling away and drifting back into their old way of life with the same attitude and the same spirit they had toward you that they once had before the crisis. Does that make sense? For lack of better words, you're no hero. For lack of better words, you're not special to them. You were just that emergency, you know, net and that, that, that you know, just that, that thing that they could run to in that time of need. But, you know, once things have gotten back to normal, here's what it looks like. Well, your wisdom is once again despised and your words are not heard again. So what are you at that moment? Well, you're probably half mad and a whole lot disappointed, right? Why do I help? <sighs> How many times have we been through this? Honey, I ought to know better. They're not going to change. Have you ever said things like that? <laughs> when are we going to realize that the only time they show up is when they've got problems? The only time that they want to hear what we have to say is when they've got an issue, but as soon as everything gets better, we're stupid again. How many times have we thought that? Most of us have thought that many times, right? So we get half mad and we're frustrated and we're irritated and we're disappointed over and over and over. Why? Because that is the cycle that people many times are in in this life. You're not much of value to me. You're not much worth to me. But, oh, now I need you. So you, you serve a purpose in my life. Well, okay, you don't really serve a purpose anymore. So just go back to wherever you came from doing whatever it was you did. bothersome it's disappointing it's frustrating it's so many different things but wouldn't it only be fair for you and I to ask this question how many times are we like the residents of the little city in our relation to the wise person that we don't really hold with a high regard so what do you mean? I mean this. Have there ever been moments in our lives where we pretty much really, if we just had to be honest, if we were pressed on the matter, we'd just have to go ahead and admit this, we've got all the answers. You ever been there? Listen, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm, I'm not trying to be anything other than just asking you to ask this question. Have you ever thought you basically knew it all? Now, if you won't admit that, let me just go ahead and help you and say this. You've thought that. 
We've all had our pride. We've all had our ego. We've all had that flesh to where basically we had everything under control. And as a result of you and I having everything under control, ain't nobody going to tell me nothing. To use very poor English, right? Nobody is going to tell me anything. Listen now, because we've got all the answers. We've got all the answers as it relates to our relationships. We've got all the answers as it relates to our children. We've got all the answers as it relates to our finances, as it relates to our spiritual lives. We've got all the answers. We've been those people before who we knew it all. And we didn't need anybody's help. And then what happened in our lives? Crisis came. Well, what kind of a crisis? Oh, you can probably think of one immediately in your life. This happened. For someone else, it was this. And for someone else, this happened. And for this person, this happened. And, and all of a sudden, here's what you realize. I don't have everything under control. I don't have all the answers. I, I, I'm not as flawless as I thought I was. And, and, and I'm not as perfect and, and as wonderful as I thought I was. And so what have we done so many times? You and I have reached out to the people that we knew would be there in our time of need. Let's just be honest and admit it. We've done it. They were our security blanket. They were our emergency you know, fallback to. They were our safety net. However you'd like to define it or describe it, that is who that person was for us. And, and so what did we do? We went to them and we were humble and we were low and we were, we were meek and, and we were of a completely different spirit. Because all of a sudden, our precious little world was crumbling. And we just wanted to hear what they had to say. Would you visit with me for a little bit? Would you talk to me for a little while? Would you tell me what you're thinking? What advice would you give me? Let's be honest, we, we've all been the person who in the midst of crisis, we had a totally different spirit than we had just a few days, weeks, or months before. And now all of a sudden, we're ready to start listening. But what has happened in every one of our lives past the crisis? You know what happens? Many times, if we're not careful, our pride and our ego begins to kick back in. I know everything. Okay, I don't know everything. You're right. You're right. I, I need to humble myself. You're right. I, I need to be lower. You're right. I need to be more humble in my spirit. You're right. I need to change this. You're right. I need to do this. Okay, now we're coming out of it. And all of a sudden, what happens? We begin to climb that little hill of pride. And we get to our perch once again where we know everything and nobody else knows anything. You think it hadn't happened to some in this room? I'm here to tell you it's happened to most of us. Because we are a part of the exact same cycle that Solomon witnessed in this little city. People who should have loved and revered and held in high regard this, this poor wise man who with his wisdom was able to deliver the city, yet they remembered him no more. Listen, it, 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 it's been us who has gone to that person for wisdom, who has gone to that person for help, who has gone to that person for encouragement, whatever it was. And yet once the storm subsided and, and everything got back to a normal that we could handle, well, we just kind 
kind of worked our way back into this attitude of, yeah, we got all the answers. And we start being critical of people again. And we start again with the arrogance of, yeah, I really can't be taught much because, after all, we've got it all together. Well, you didn't have it all together six months ago. Oh, but yet now we've got it all together. No, we don't. See, the very same thing that people have done to us by way of this spirit and this attitude, by way of this principle, uh, of this cycle that, that happens in the lives of everyone else, friends, it's happened to us. And what we need to be willing to ask ourselves this morning is this. Is it happening to us? Has it happened to us? So I don't know what you mean by that. I, I just mean this. You know, are, are we, if we're honest, are we of a spirit right now where we pretty much got everything together? You know, I mean, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be cocky, you know, but, but I, I got all the answers right now. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much perfect. I mean, you know, it's, I know it sounds kind of weird to say that, but, yeah, I mean, we're perfect. You think we're not there right now? You think there aren't people in our churches there right now? Listen, you, you think everybody's of a teachable spirit right now and seeking out the wise people even in the midst of good times? Listen, our flesh fights against us every day. And part of the fight is this, is to recognize and to admit I don't have all the answers and I need to maintain a humble spirit that would allow myself to be taught and instructed and, and wisdom and counsel given that would help me even when times are good. I'm not asking you if it's ever happened because I'd be willing to bet quite a bit that it has happened. What I'd like us to consider this morning is this, is, is it happening or has it already happened? That now that your crisis is over, whatever the crisis was, have you kind of just slipped back into that spirit, slipped back into that mindset, that there's really not a whole lot for you to learn from somebody, especially some lowly poor person. I mean, what could they offer me? What kind of a spirit? What kind of an attitude? See, here's what will happen in that cycle of life. God will eventually remind you, you don't know everything. He knows how to remind us. Oh, yeah, you, you got it all together. Okay, I'll just throw this monkey wrench right there. And let's just see how you handle that one. I'm just saying, we need to check our attitude. We need to check our spirit. Because it's possible we could be like the people of this little city. Who now that I don't need them anymore, I'm not going to really honor them, respect them, take them serious. Yeah, until you need them again. It's the wrong spirit wrong attitude, wrong approach to life. Where are you at in your spirit right now? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this morning. I pray that you'd help us.
Lord, to be honest, as we would evaluate our lives, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show us if there is a part in our life where we really don't have a very teachable spirit. We really don't have a spirit that is grateful for the wisdom of someone else and what they might be able to offer. Lord, it would be so easy to sit here and think of all the times we felt like the, the man who was despised and the man who was not heard and the times that we've just been used. It would be easy to focus on that. But Lord, what we really need to focus on are the number of times we've been like the inhabitants of that little city. Lord, would you help us to be honest before you today? I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.